0: We read from God's word this morning, first of all, from Isaiah chapter 35, and then, uh, which is the background of our text for this morning, which comes to us from Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll be focused this morning uh, solely on verses 12 and 13. So if you want to find both, we'll start at Isaiah chapter 35. A great promise of the Lord to his people. Even though they were going to go through a time of testing, uh, they were going to go through a time of uh, discipline by the Lord's hand. The Lord had glorious, wonderful plans for his people. Isaiah chapter 35 The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the Way of Holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing, shall flee away. We turn then as well to Hebrews chapter 12. We read God's word, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This too is the word of the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this beautiful Sunday that we're able to be at worship. We thank you for this portion of your word. We ask that you will be with Pastor Bob as he speaks on this word. May you guide him. This we ask in your name alone. Amen. And amen. Four things from these two verses then in Hebrews as we continue our series through this book. First of all, the therefore. Secondly, the command that is given. Thirdly, the purpose that is stated. And finally, the means by which that will occur. And uh, we'll see how far the Lord brings us through this passage this morning. First of all, though, the therefore, right? This is where it begins. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. The therefore means you have to look at what just has been said. You have to look at the first 11 verses of Hebrews chapter 12, where he's building a case He he is laying before us a, a truth to which he is now saying, therefore, because of what I have said, because of what I have written, because of what has been just revealed to you in these first 11 verses, therefore, this is the consequence. This is the result. Well, what has gone on just previous to this? Well, chapter 12 so far has included the following. There were witnesses, that great cloud of witnesses, not watching what we're doing, but testifying of God's goodness, testifying of God's faithfulness, and exhibiting lives of faithfulness to the Lord. We are surrounded by that great crowd of witnesses. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. That would be one connection as to why there is the therefore. Why are we to lift up our drooping hands and our, strengthen our weak knees? Because we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. The second thing, however, as we go back to chapter 12 at the beginning, is because of Jesus. He is the one who is the author, the perfecter of our faith. He is the one who has come. We, we've just, that's why I chose the, the song, His Robe for Mine. Originally, that was a, a, a Lord's Supper Sunday as well, so it fit that. But it's also to draw us back to this section of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who also endured. Look what Christ went through for you because of his love for you. Now look at what we've just sung. Of his robes for mine, a wonderful exchange. We sing it with glorious passion. Therefore, because of Jesus, because Jesus endured, because of what Jesus has done, because of this glorious exchange, because of these robes of righteousness that you and I have been given, out of grace, lift up your hands, Strengthen your weak knees. Make level paths. But one of the principles of biblical interpretation is that you also have to look at the nearest thing. What is the thing that is associated the closest to the therefore? Well, if you keep all the notes and if you got them all in order, you'll go back to the Sermon that was just previous to this from Hebrews was on God's discipline. And what the, what the Spirit is doing here is He is connecting for us the fact that God disciplines those He loves. God disciplines His children. God disciplines His sons. Therefore, because we know that, because we know that God brings us through hard times... And God does so with a good intent. God does so with a good purpose to conform us to the glorious image of Christ. That's why, you see, we go back to Isaiah chapter 35. Lord, why are you bringing us to Babylon? Why are you allowing them? Because I'm disciplining you. But I'm disciplining you not because I hate you. I discipline you because you are my people. I love you. I care about you. So in the context of Isaiah 35, which is the background to these verses, God was saying through the prophet Isaiah, you're going to go through a hard time, you're going to go through captivity, but don't become discouraged. Don't become despondent. Don't grow weary. Lift up. Be strengthened. Move forward. The author of Hebrews is now coming to those people who were his original audience for this letter and saying to them The Lord is bringing you through a time of discipline. Persecution was beginning for the church. And some of these Jews who had converted to Christianity are crumbling. And what he's saying is, the Lord is bringing you through this time of discipline. But Don't become depressed. Don't become lackluster. Strengthen, lift up, make level paths. And so the Lord comes to you and I today. He comes to you and I today with that same message of hope, that same message of encouragement. So let's secondly look at this command then that is given. Lift up your drooping hands. The illustration to which the the author is drawing our attention is to those who are combatants in a war those who are soldiers in a fight those who have been enlisted to serve as soldiers in the lord's army now in that army of the lord you find 3 Types of soldiers. There are those soldiers who are eager for blood. They just love the fight. They don't really care what the fight is. They just love the fight. They just love the blood and guts. Now, we're talking spiritually, not physically. Although, there are some who appear in the Christian army who... Seem to delight in the blood and guts as well, to the shame of the cross of Christ. But there are those who are like that. They, they remind me of the soldiers of Saul. There's an Old Testament story in which the soldiers of Saul, because they, they have not been allowed to eat because they're under Saul's unwise edict that they could not eat, when they come upon The the animals of the enemy, they don't bother to cook them. They're eating it with the blood in it. And, And sometimes that's the way, sometimes Christian soldiers appear. That they set aside all that God's law says, all that God's word teaches... In order to accomplish one thing, we have to go to war, we have to go to fight, and we have to draw blood. Let's do that, regardless of what that means. And it's like, no, you have to remember the commands of the Lord. When we go out to fight as Christian soldiers, we need to go out and fight with the Lord's army manual. We don't get to make up the rules of this engagement. That's what God's word is going to challenge us with tonight. He's going to challenge us with how do we go out and fight. That's the next verses of this passage. But in that fight, that army, there are also soldiers. (laughs) They don't even know they're in the war. They don't even know they're in the battle. They are absolutely clueless. They are walking head forward into an ambush and they don't even know it. They're picking daisies along the way while the enemy is gathering around them to stick them with a sword. They're gonna make a pincushion out of them. Spiritually, that is true too. There's just a lot of, I wouldn't say ignorant soldiers, careless soldiers. They're just careless. They're a soldier, they got the outfit on, but they don't know they're in a battle. They don't know they're in a war. They're out walking the path, picking daisies, while the enemy, Satan, and his hosts are out to destroy them. I fear the problem is we have both of those camps in our church world today. We have the soldiers of Saul who are disregarding the word of the Lord and eating raw meat because they're so into the battle and the victors and the spoils. We have a lot of clueless Christians. Let me give you an example of that. Let me just give you an example. You won't like the example. I'm going to tell you that straight up. Some of you are going to chafe at this example. But let me ask you a question. Before we were Little Farms Chapel, Orthodox Presbyterian Church, what were we? Pardon? Yeah, we were a Christian reform mission work. Why aren't we? Why aren't we? Because in 1997, wiser men than me looked at the situation that the Christian Reformed Church was in in 1997 and said, this is a denomination that has left the word of the Lord. Those men sacrificed greatly for the decision to leave. It was not without cost. Some of you as families paid a cost for that decision. We realized we were in a battle. And those men made a decision. Look, this is a denomination that is no longer faithful to the word of God. Let me ask you a question. How many years has it been since 1997? 10, 20, 24, going on 25 years. Has the situation over there improved? Is it more faithful to the Word of God? No. Everything those men from Little Farms said in 1997 has come about. It is further from the Word of God today than it was then. Then why would you dabble for a moment in it? Why would you say, oh, my children can go off there. That's, let them go pick daisies in the midst of a battle then. Because you're setting them up. You're setting them up for the enemy. But there is a third group of soldiers. And that's who this passage is directed at. The third group are the weary ones. They are weary. They are tired. They have fought. And they have fought. And they have fought. They have been faithful. They have sought to be faithful year after year after year. They have fought the battle, whether it was in the Reformed Church in America, whether it was in other congregations. They have fought. And they are tired. They have fought so long that their arms are now drooping. They can't lift the sword even anymore. They're just tired. They're physically, emotionally, and spiritually worn. And they may be asking, and maybe that's you this morning, Maybe maybe that's you. You're just worn. You're worn by a, a year and two months of COVID. You're worn by family. You're, you're worn down by, by life and seeking to live according to God's word. And you're just tired. And You're standing there. You see the enemy. You see him approaching. But you're just so exhausted. You can't bring your arms up anymore. You're just worn out from the battle. It's tiring. It's been exhausting. What does God's word say to us this morning? It says to us with a command lift up your drooping hands, lift them up, set upright. Set your arms straight once again. Make your arms strong, that which was feeble. Restore it to strength. Some of you have gone through and experienced the real COVID, not the stuff I had, but the real stuff, and have been sick and you've been laying on a bed for weeks. You're like, I don't got the strength to even get out of bed. Here comes the command. Lift up your arms. Let's go. And we'll get to the means. How does that happen? But that's the command that comes. Lift them up. Restore the wearied, the weakened, the exhausted. They're so weak that one cannot be lifted up. Lift them up. Remember that Old Testament story of Moses, right? They're, they're fighting the Amalekites, and, and they're in the battle, and, and as long as his arms were up, the Israelites won, but as soon as his arms came down, the Israelites began to lose. Right? God didn't say, well, let's change the rules and, okay, just leave your arms down then, Moses. It's okay. No, what happens? Aaron and her come alongside and say, okay, we'll help you. We'll raise it up. See, and that's where this passage is going. That's what the command is. It's not only to, come on, lift up your drooping hands. It is also... A corporate responsibility that we come alongside one another and we lift up each other's arms like Aaron and her in Moses' day, because the victory is the Lord's. Lift up your drooping hands. But then he switches the imagery. The second thing, which was also found in back in. Isaiah chapter 35, is strengthen your weak knees. Now we've switched to the picture of the runner. The runner who who needs to be strengthened. I don't know, I think I counted 13, 15 folks from Little Farms yesterday participated in Lamont's 5K. Some appeared to be pretty well ready for that. Others, lifting up that foot once again to make another step. It's like, I don't know, right? Here comes the command, strengthen those knees. Get ready as the soldier, as the runner, to engage once again in the race. Oh, and that pretty much fits, doesn't it, where we've been in all of this. In Hebrews, this race that we are running, right? this Christian life that we are called to, God comes with his command. Therefore, therefore, look at the witnesses. Look at Jesus. Look at what I'm doing because I love you, because I care about you. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees. It's actually the picture of of taking that which is paralyzed, that which you don't think you can take another step and do. Do it, take that step, take it. Don't stop, don't pause. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Third command, not only lift your drooping hands, not only strengthen your weak knees, but make straight paths for your feet. Make level paths for your feet. Now, I didn't see anybody do this yesterday at Lamont, and I rarely see it except when I'm watching the Olympics and I'm watching running events. I note that that those individuals involved in the races become very familiar with the track. I I have seen individuals walk around the lane that they're going to be running in and bend over and move a pebble. They don't want anything in their way that is going to hinder them. Nothing that's going to get in their way that may cause that foot to just kind of turn, that ankle to twist, to somehow get them out of rhythm so they look. I've heard and asked a couple of cross-country runners, if they're unfamiliar with the course, do you go out and run it before? Oh, yeah, yeah. You go downtown Grand Rapids when we used to have the the race downtown and for the several days beforehand, those runners would be out running various legs of that marathon. You know what they're doing? They're looking for potholes. They're looking for a log that's in the way and they're moving things, not just for themselves, for others, for their other competitors. They don't want anything in their way either. They want the race to be fair and honest. So if there's a limb, they'll pick it up and move it. I, I've seen guys alongside of the, the road there okay, take dirt and fill in a pothole just so that if, if they come along that day of the race and are running, they, they don't step in the pothole. That's what, the, that's what God is saying. That's what the Spirit is saying here. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet. Get rid of the obstacles and the hindrances that are in your way. What is keeping you from living the Christian life? Remove it. Not just for yourself, but think of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Remove it for them as well. Get it out of the way. Be that tie that binds. Be that expression of Christian love. That's the command. And you do that even though you're dog tired, even though you're exhausted. Why? Because God comes with His command. This is what the Lord wants you to do. He evidenced it with his people in the past in Isaiah 35 and now he comes with that same command to you and I today in the day and age in which we live. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to lay down our sword. This is not the time to be disinterested. This is not the time for picking daisies. This is the day to engage the enemy. This is the day that the Lord has made. Therefore, therefore, if you are here today and you're just one of the exhausted army members, hear God's word to you today. Because God has a purpose. God wants your arms to be strong. He wants your knees to be strong. He wants those paths level. Because of what? So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. There's the purpose. So that the lame, so that the others who are weak and feeble spiritually might be healed, might be delivered from their fears, from their depression, from their spiritual exhaustion. God wants you to be the witness. He wants you to be that witness to the neighbor who is sitting next to you, who also is exhausted, who is tired of the fight. And he wants you to lift up your drooping arms. He wants you to strengthen your knees. He wants you to be engaged in making the paths level so that that person who is in a far worse spiritual condition than you. Because they're lame. Will be healed. See, this isn't passing a prayer cloth around. Right? And anointing somebody and say, be healed. The means of God's healing of us spiritually is one another. He means to make use of us to build up, to strengthen, even to bring back from spiritual lameness. Our brother and sister in the Lord, go level some paths. Go. Strengthen your knees no, lift up your drooping arms. You say, but how? How can I do that? If I'm already exhausted, where does that strength come from? What is the means that God provides? And the answer is what Jesus had already stated and what the word of God has already given. It's not rewritten here. It doesn't need to be rewritten here. Why? Because it's already been given. Listen. Listen to the author and perfecter of your faith. Listen to Jesus. Where does my strength Where where are my knees going to be strengthened? How How are my hands going to be lifted up? How am I going to be able to make level paths for others when I myself am exhausted? Here's Jesus. John 14, 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. And will be in you. Your helper. Who's your helper? The Holy Spirit. The same and equal in power and glory. as the Father and the Son. John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 15, 26, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Helper. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 2 Corinthians 3, 3. And you show that you are the letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Where does that strength come from? The Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who is going to, strengthen my drooping hands. He's going to strengthen my weak knees. He's going to enable me to make level paths so that what? Even the lame will be healed. It's the Holy Spirit. Say so. Come Holy Spirit. Come. Yes. Come. But what's he going to do? What what is the tool that the Holy Spirit uses to strengthen you and I? Well, it's been the whole point that the author of Hebrews has been on for two chapters. Faith. Faith? Yes, faith. To believe in the promises of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It is that which strengthens our drooping hands. I know the providences of God, and I know the promises of God, and I know that the promises are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the author is going to go on to say, therefore, you are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. See, the Holy Spirit works faith within our hearts. But you say, my faith is weak. Holy Spirit says, then I'll aid you. I'll help you. How? Three things, right? Three aids of the Holy Spirit to strengthen our faith. This, right now. This strange foolishness of preaching. God uses. How? The Holy Spirit takes these, these words from a frail, sinful person and he takes them into our souls and he strengthens our drooping hands. And we don't think we can go on any further in that spiritual life. He strengthens our knees. He gives us eyes to see the obstacles that are in our way so that we make level paths so that even the lame, the spiritually lame within this army of God are healed. Preaching of the word. Prayer prayer. Spending time talking to him. Spending time communicating with the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming to a table, being fed spiritually. Coming to a baptismal font not only having the water of baptism on us, but witnessing it over and over and over again and hearing God's promise. You're mine! I love you! I'm sending my Spirit to you to help you. You're tired. You're exhausted. But the Spirit is yours. What a marvelous, loving God. So now, we got our strength back. Now our knees are strong, the place is level. Okay, Lord, we're ready to fight. Let's go kill some animals. Let's go eat some blood. And God says, no, no, hang on a minute. You're my soldiers. You're not the soldiers of the world. Let me give you the manual as to how you fight. I encourage you to come back this evening and hear what God says to us about (laughs) the strange ways that God would have us battle. Quite opposed to the world of today. But for today, this morning, for these hours, rest. Rest upon his Holy Spirit, who he gives you. You don't have to earn it, he gives you as a gift to encourage you, to strengthen you for the battle of today. And God's people say, Amen.